Welcome to episode 5 of the Root Reason podcast. My name is Brandon. This is the podcast aimed at the practical application of the Christian worldview. And uh, it's actually crazy to me to say that we're already on episode 5. So I'm really excited to dig into this and uh, see where we go from here. So on this episode, I'm going to talk about what is our foundation for forming our beliefs? Why? What motivations do we have behind the formation of our beliefs? And what are we using to ground those or as the foundation of those? And of course, I think it should be scripture that we're using as our foundation and our grounding for all of our beliefs. Um, but a lot of times in the world, we have a lot of uh, pressure from society, pressures to not be embarrassed, pressures to fit in and things like that, that we a lot of times take um, and let influence us to where scripture isn't our final foundation for a lot of beliefs we hold. Um, and just kind of a little tiny plug here in the middle before we get dig into that. Um, I've been using the app on my iPhone called Freeform, which is kind of like a virtual whiteboard uh, app that's on there. And you can put little post notes on there. You can move stuff around. You can scan documents, um, different things of that nature. But what's been super helpful about having that app for me is the first idea that I'm going to talk about, about having the foundations for your beliefs. Um, I actually stuck in, I think, the Notes app on the iPhone before it updated and had Freeform. Um, and then moved it over to Freeform probably a month or month and a half ago. And then the last couple of days had this other idea come up. And I, I threw it in there because that's kind of where I've been storing all my ideas for the podcast and blog. And uh, because of that, I was able to move stuff around and kind of create a an episode here using that app. So if you're looking for some kind of organizational app that helps you, especially if you're a visual learner, uh, I think the Freeform app is a great way to start. So some of my background uh, or kind of what my beliefs used to be prior um, to now is, especially in college, I was probably in the camp of what you would say like a theistic evolutionist. Uh, uh, became a Christian, believed in God, uh, believed in Christ, saved by Christ, but had a lot of holdover from um, just secular thought, secular science. And so kind of adopted the view theistic evolution or um, evolutionary creationism is another term that's kind of been thrown around there. Uh, but just kind of adopted that just because I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm a Christian now, and I've also been taught these other things about how the world functions and how it came to be the way it is. And so that's just kind of where I find myself. And I didn't really look into it not like it's not like I could have argued that point or had really thought it through in any way shape or form it just I had these prior beliefs and I was mixing them with my new Christian belief and coming up to these conclusions um and I was there for a while if you you know quite a few years through college and then I think as it kind of became more interesting and I heard kind of uh, I got more interested in apologetics and I started to hear some of the argumentation uh, like against evolution or things of that nature I kind of started dipping my toes into it and, and looking into it more. And uh, my intent in this episode isn't to try to persuade you of one way or the other. I'm just telling you the story as kind of the context or background for uh, that first principle of making sure our beliefs are based in Scripture and not based in any kind of societal pressure we may feel to conform. So I'm uh, getting back on track. Um, so yeah, so I started looking into it a little bit more, and I found uh, – there's a BioLogos is a organization. They have a website. Um, it's an organization of scientists that hold to a, in that camp of theistic evolution. Um, so I started going through some of their material, and they try to present some stuff to like the lay level or like the regular people. Um, and through them, I 
found a discussion that a guy by the name of Dr. Hugh Ross, who runs the ministry Reasons to Believe, um, he kind of critiquing some of their views. And he, him and his organization, Reasons to Believe, comes from a kind of old earth creation perspective. And so uh, they would reject evolution, but they do still hold to the general dating of the earth and, you know, earth being four to five billion years old and, you know, universe being even older than that and, and those kind of things. And so that was kind of my entrance into it. I dabbled with that for a while and then kind of just felt that uh, I should probably lean into the old earth creationism camp because uh, it seemed to me that they're making some pretty compelling arguments that Christianity would not be compatible with evolution, at least in the way I understood it. And so that's kind of where I rested and landed for a while, for a handful of years. Just um, didn't really think to it a whole lot more. Just kind of stopped there and thought, okay, well, this is a good enough blending of the two, or this is kind of a good middle ground, so I'll just stay here. That way it's not uh, too much of a change. But the more I kind of evaluated that position that I was holding, the more I realized I was holding that position, not because I thought uh, that that's what Scripture taught necessarily, or that's what I thought or that's what I, I learned from Scripture as I studied Scripture. It was more there's these uh, uh, guys and girls that were uh, vastly more intelligent than me in the scientific fields. Um, that's where they were at. So I kind of had some, I guess I felt like I was in good company. thought, well, it's okay if these people that are actual biologists and geologists and historians and things of that nature are going to land here, then you know I can too. But then also uh, a big part of it was just um, not wanting to deny, to deny too much of what was commonly accepted uh, in Western society as scientific fact. Um, not wanting to reject too much of what is put out there about the age of the earth, the age of the universe, uh, fossil record, those kind of things. And so trying to find a, a nice middle ground, I think, is what really motivated me because I knew you know, I'm not going to, be able to understand all the deep, in-depth scientific aspects of it, but uh, I, I want to be um, consistent with my Christianity at least as much as I could, but I was heavily influenced still by also not uh, holding to things that might be embarrassing or or counter to the general public's decision on uh, you know the age of the earth, those, those kind of things. And so through that uh, interaction with Hugh Ross's ministry, Reason to Believe, um, I started seeing him do discussions and debates and things like that with uh, the next camp, which would be Young Earth Creationism, which says that the Earth is about 6,000 years old. It takes Genesis in a much more um, literal, historical form, that it's giving the, the actual history of the Earth and not as much of allegory and things of nature. Even though they're, they're still involved, it just takes a much more direct approach to Genesis and how it lays out the creation of the world and creation of the universe. And so through that, uh, that's when I really, I think, started getting more interested in the topic in general, was listening to these two guys who both held to a biblical foundation and then arguing the science behind it. And it was very intriguing. Um, a lot of it, again, was still over my head because that's not any kind of background that I have. But it led me down just a path of, of doing more reading and research and study in that area, and um, over time, I can be became convinced that 
young earth creationism was actually the best understanding of Genesis, that it was the uh, best interpretation of scripture and that it made the most consistent sense of all of scripture, um, even up to the point of how Jesus spoke about Adam and him being an actual existing person, not, uh, you know, a nebulous kind of figurehead, but Jesus seems to speak of Adam as a actual existing person. And he did just the way scripture laid things out. It made sense to me and it seemed to be the most scriptural approach. Now, all that to say, I'm not trying to convince you that you should be a young earth creationist or you should uh, abandon your other previously held beliefs. But my point in this, because, well, because A, I don't think I could argue uh, the science half of it uh, to get myself out of a wet paper bag, let alone to convince somebody to move that direction. But the principle I want to draw out of that kind of short background of myself is that I was holding on to those other two beliefs uh, prior to Young Earth Creationism because I didn't want to be embarrassed, because I didn't want to push back against what I just assumed was the acceptable views to have about those things like age of the earth and and that kind of nature or or things of of that nature and so that was the main motivation it wasn't scriptural for me it was well these are side issues these are secondary things so I can uh, kind of fudge on them to give myself some comfort to not have to hold to a view that is going to turn heads make people look at you kind of like they're fun kind of like you're funny so that was my main motivation in that, and then coming out of that and coming to adopt a young earth creationist view over, well, that's probably four or five years ago now, um, my motivation in that was I was convinced that it was the best interpretation and best understanding of Genesis, uh, the first you know 11 chapters of Genesis, that scripture actually was teaching that model of creation, that the earth is only about 6,000 years old, um, and all the stuff that comes along with that, there's a huge aspect to that. Um, and if you want to know more of the, the scientific side of it and the scriptural side of it, um, I would look at guys like Jason Lyle, who runs the Biblical uh, Biblical Science Institute. Um, there's also the Creation Research International. Um, they have a great website, and uh, there's just multiple... Uh, scientists, geologists, biologists, things like that that are associated with those ministries. Uh, Answers in Genesis, again, is another great ministry that you can find online that has a lot of just uh, scientists working in that field that hold to a, a, a young earth creationism or biblical creationism account. So there's theirs. You can go look for more of the detail topic of that. But again, my point wasn't that I need to, and I'm trying to convince you to change your views. I just want to question the foundations on why you're holding those views. So if you look at Scripture and you uh, base your views on Scripture and your understanding of Scripture, your interpretation of Scripture, and how it consistently flows from Genesis to Revelation, and you come away with a a different perspective than me, that's fine. That could be a a fun conversation to have someday. But uh, ultimately, I just want to challenge you, and I challenged myself, that our views are based on what Scripture is teaching what we what we believe scripture is teaching and that we don't come to scripture with a preconceived idea and then try to find a way to fit it in because we don't want the embarrassment of leaving the socially acceptable belief system behind um, it's not easy it's not it's not 
uh, fun to do. Um, but I think it's vitally important, and I've had to do that in my life multiple times, and I'm sure I still have beliefs that I'm unaware of right now that I actually hold because it's easier to hold them than to push back. And uh, they're not, I don't hold them because I think they're the most scripturally supported. I hold them because of tradition or societal pressure, um, things of that nature. And so that's kind of the first thing I wanted to bring up is just whatever your belief is, and it's not just with creationism, that's just the example I thought of in my own life, the, the main one I could think of on where it took years, but re- looking back and realizing the main reason I was resistant to changing is because of not wanting to be embarrassed by societal pressures or societal norms. And so I just challenge uh, anybody that listens to this to analyze some of their own beliefs. Think about some of the things you're holding, why you're holding to them. Are they tradition? Are they to save some face, to not have to be the weird one that thinks that uh, such and such isn't necessarily true? But are you basing those things on Scripture? Is Scripture your main authority in forming beliefs um, as it should be as Christians? And the tie-in to that for the second thing I want to talk about today on this episode, um, within the last couple weeks, uh, one of the Facebook groups I'm part of, uh, it's like an atheist Christian Facebook group, and the question was posed on there about, well, if God is all-powerful and God is all-good, why is there evil in the world? And it was um, it was a long post. It was kind of drawn out. Um, and so I grabbed it. I stuck it in the Freeform app. And I thought, well, that will be something good to cover at some point in time. But then uh, as I was looking at it, compared to some of the stuff I had in the app, uh, it made me think about, again, the same concept of are beliefs based in Scripture or are they based in societal norms? And so as I think about what this post had on it, um, the person that posted it had defined evil. They had defined what they thought was good, defined moral. They even kind of defined God and added some attributes to him, like they described God as morally perfect. And um, they kind of laid all this out and then went through what they could see as the only options for somebody to uh, answer those uh, questions. Um, So I read that a few times, and I kind of uh, was kind of looking at what he had posted, and I thought about it for a while. But then the more, uh, thankfully I didn't just immediately respond. I kind of sat on it for a few hours and processed it and thought about it, um, what he was asking. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that uh, the majority of his problem was because he was trying to define God. He was trying to define the attributes of God that he at least expected. He was trying to define evil in in his own way. He was trying to define good in his own way. And it got me thinking that, um, you know, as Christians, we don't, have to move into this neutral territory of what does what's this like generic definition of good or evil or god like we don't have to make up these definitions scripture gives us uh what is good it gives us what is evil it tells us uh, about god like god has revealed himself to us in such a way through special revelation through scripture that we don't need to make up his attributes, um, and that we don't get to make up his attributes. So while, you know, I read God is morally perfect is what this gentleman has said, and why I don't disagree with God is morally perfect, of course, but 
what does he mean by morally perfect? What does this atheist have in mind when he says morally perfect? And when you looked at his definitions of evil and good and things like that, you realized that what he meant by morally perfect isn't how God describes himself in the Bible. It isn't how um, the attributes that are laid out in Scripture are presented. He wanted a very specific kind of pigeonholed definition of what he meant by morally good. And basically, uh, kind of boiled down to uh, a morally perfect being wouldn't allow suffering. And because of that, because that was his starting presupposition, he could say, see, no, I don't understand how Christianity can make sense of that, can answer these questions. But again, it's he wanted to create this completely different God, completely different definitions, attributes, and everything, and then critique it. But that's not what we should do as Christians, and we don't need to engage in that. Um, we would discuss God with the unbeliever the same way we would with a fellow believer. We're not going to go up to a fellow believer and start redefining the attributes God has laid out for us in Scripture. We're not going to change them. We're not going to use our own philosophical definitions. Uh, we're going to use what Scripture has laid out for us to the best of our ability. And obviously we'll do some of that in trying to understand what that means. But when we get asked these questions, when we see these questions posed, um, we need to remember that Scripture has already revealed who God is, what evil is, what good is. And those are the definitions that we should use. And those are the definitions that have to be used when we're answering these questions. So one of the first things we have to do is kind of try to draw out the either inconsistency or the lack, um, the issues with the definitions that they're, they're providing or what they have as kind of a basic presupposition and show how or what they're critiquing or what they're arguing against actually isn't biblical Christianity um, in any way. So with that in mind, the idea is that uh, everybody's arguing from a certain worldview. They have certain definitions, they have certain concepts in mind that they're going to be arguing from. And so when somebody presents an argument like that, they have preconceived notions of what evil means, what good means, uh, even what they mean by morally perfect, like I said earlier. And so we can engage that and we can attempt to answer it from a biblical standpoint. But if we don't clarify definitions to begin with, we'll most likely end up talking past one another. We'll end up um, not communicating well and there'll be misunderstanding. And so I always think it's helpful to start by defining terms and making sure that they are critiquing um, a true biblical concept of God and not just a general theism. And actually with that, this episode is we're kind of on the 20-minute mark and we're going to start getting, uh, we have a lot more to cover. And so this episode is going to end up being super long, so I'm actually going to break it into two parts. And so that's going to wrap up, uh, I think, part one. I appreciate you guys checking it out. Uh, look forward to dropping part two in the coming up weeks. Um, but yeah, that's the basic idea is that all of our beliefs have to be based in Scripture and that we use that as a foundation to build our beliefs. And even when we're critiquing arguments or critiquing questions posed or answering questions posed against uh, Christianity or about Christianity, uh, we need to have that same mindset that we need to use um, what Scripture has given us. That's our tools. That is what um, God has revealed to us. And so that is the standard that we have to use. We shouldn't get wander too far off into these um, philosophical definitions of things when they're, when they're unbiblical. I mean, they can be interesting conversations, and they're good to know, and they're good to point out. But at the end of the day, um, if we're arguing for Christianity, we have to use what God has revealed to us. 
and that should be our main focus, and then presenting the gospel also. So, like I said, this is part one of a two-part episode. I appreciate you guys checking it out. Remember, Christ is Lord, Christ is King. Take that gospel message out to the rest of the world. Thank you.